Paul speaks to this issue in uh, Romans 14 and 15. Number two, receive one who is weak in faith. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul actually says, To the weak I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I uh, might by all means save some. So just because someone is normally younger in the faith, doesn't have a good understanding, they might not understand certain things that someone else comes to a conclusion are totally okay, and they're thinking, wait a minute. I don't know how that guy can do that. Okay? Now, when I first got saved, I went to a King James-only church, and uh, it was a relatively legalistic church. I didn't know that at the time. And uh, someone told me, you should never go to theaters to, to watch movies. Kind of like, why not? Now, that had been a great teaching time. You know, there's a lot of things in movies that they're not only not extra-biblical, they're anti-biblical if you examine things. So you're, if you're going to watch stuff, you really just need to use wisdom. How much wisdom does a 21-year-old that's newly saved have? Uh, yeah, very little. <laughs> so, uh, but they, they said, uh, I shouldn't go to the theaters. And I said, why not? And they said, burlesque. Well, I had seen Gypsy Rose Lee with Natalie Wood way back there in the 60s. And I knew that I was not going to a burlesque show, you know. But they were tying it together in their heads. Guess what? They should not go to movies, okay? Um, I never came to that conclusion, uh, but that's how it worked. So uh, notice, receive one who is weak in the faith. Letter A, the word for uh, receive here is proslumbano. It means to take to oneself. Uh, when you talk about food, it might be used uh, to lead aside, to admit to friendship or hospitality, to receive or take unto. I guess this might be a good time for us to be reminded, and that's all this is. This is not a rebuke, uh, that we need to be aware of the people that are around us. Okay, uh, We have a tendency to know the people we like to hang with, and we hang with them. Is there anything wrong with that? Uh, I keep on hearing the word clickish. I don't like the word clickish. And the reason why I don't is because I don't believe it's anybody's intent when they're hanging out with their friends to keep someone else out. And that's really what a click is all about, okay? It's us four and no more. But we do need to be aware of the people that are around us because someone might want to join in the conversation. Maybe they're looking for some new friends. And we ought to be available to, like Paul said, be, uh, be weak if, that's, if they're weak, uh, uh, so that we might win some. So again, just an encouragement, not a rebuke. Uh, I, I don't find that to be a problem, but I have been here long enough, and I'm a part of all kinds of little groups, so <laughs> uh, and, and maybe we all need to practice that one. Uh, notice uh, Romans 15.1 says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Verse 7 says, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us for the glory of God. Uh, one of the things, if, if you examine this passage well, and Romans 15, it's like, uh, what did you bring to the table when Christ accepted you? Absolutely nothing. So when someone else comes to the table... We ought to be receiving them. That's the idea there, okay? Uh, notice number one, this is always used in the middle voice. 
and it connotes personal and willing acceptance of another person unto themselves. That's, the, that's what the middle voice is basically going to be bringing there. Uh, the word for uh, weak is astheneo, uh, to be feeble in any sense, to be diseased, impotent folk, uh, to be sick or to be or be made weak. It is a pre- present participle. It, it suggests a temporary condition. Uh, right now, my wife's been sick, as I've told you already, and uh, so she gets this croupy cough. Uh, her asthmatic situation doesn't help. And so after about three nights of her coughing all night long, uh, I basically mandate uh, it, this is going to the doctor time. So she goes to the doctor. And then the next two nights, even though she's got the steroids in the Z-Pack, she's still coughing. Now I've had five nights where I'm not getting a, a good night's sleep. So this morning I wake up, and the first couple of minutes I'm coughing. It's kind of like, yeah, I've got it. Uh, there, there's, there's a weakness in, in my body here. And uh, so every time she gets sick, I kind of follow suit. <laughs> okay, but it's a temporary condition. I may need a little bit of help to get through it. I'm hoping not because right now, as you can see, I'm doing fine. Uh, but it's a temporary condition. Lord willing, uh, won't go into bronchitis, etc. cetera. Uh, in this particular case, this person is weak in the faith. It's got the article there. So it is indicating the issue of understanding the fullness of the gospel. It is not talking about their weak in faith as in they have not trusted uh, in the gospel. Okay, They don't understand all that the gospel includes for them. So that brings us to letter C. Uh, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Uh, the word uh, disputes here is dialogismos, uh, discussion, consideration, uh, debate, dispute, uh, uh, doubtful or doubting imaginations, reasoning or thought. Uh, basically what he's saying here is there is no passing judgment on underdeveloped but sincere opinions about something that God has not directly spoken to. Okay, th- this comes back to that all things are lawful for me. Well, when you're newly saved, you don't understand the concepts of liberty in Christ. And again, not liberty for the sake of uh, fleshly gratification, but liberty as in, if God didn't say it was wrong, consider whether or not it's something you can, should uh, be doing. Uh, But it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean, yeah, go ahead. It just means it's one of those things where you have to determine. And as he says in uh, verse 4, let everybody be convinced in his own mind. So where you see where some people might come to different conclusions, and that is okay. Number three, the first reason to accept all believers uh, is actually found in the latter half of the verse uh, because God accepts them. But let's take a look here. Letter A, for one believes that he may eat all things. And this refers to the one with understanding of and exercising his liberty in Christ. In uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, he really gets into the whole concept of buying meat uh, that's been offered to an idol and how an idol is nothing, even though we know that an idol represents something else, uh, a false god, a, a demon, or something like that. Uh, an idol is nothing. It's a statue. And so they offered the meat to the statue, and then they took the leftovers, brought it down to the butcher shop in the back door, and you can get a good deal on that stuff. So Paul's saying, okay, I'll buy some of that meat. 
but he recognizes some of the people came out of the worship of that false idol, and they might not be able to handle the fact that he's eating the meat that's been sacrificed to it. So he is concerned about whether or not they're going to stumble, and that is uh, a concern, a legitimate concern. But when it comes to eating the meat, uh, one believes that he may eat all things. Notice in number, uh, number two here, under letter A, there is no ceremonial or dietary restrictions in the New Covenant or the Gospel. In, in the Old Testament, you can't eat bacon. I had a couple of slices in my omelet this morning. Is really good, you know. Um, let me see. We, I guess, nothing I ate at lunchtime would be unceremonially clean uh, in the Old Testament. Oh, well, maybe asparagus. My kids would say beets, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, so, but notice in the New Testament, no rules. Why not? Make up your mind. Determine what's good for you. Okay. Um, notice uh, the example of freedom. Uh, they can eat all things. Uh, Jesus is teaching on the subject, Matthew 15, 11. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Uh, verse 17, same chapter. Uh, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Just given basic biology, something that needs to be retaught in America today, but that's another thing altogether. Uh, how about Mark 7, 18 and 19? Basically the same story. So then he said to them, are, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated thus by saying that he purifies all foods? Now, wait a minute. Jesus is living under the law. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he didn't eat any bacon. But he's basically saying bacon doesn't defile you as a new covenant person, as a gospel-believing person. In the Old Testament, ceremonially, they couldn't do that. Uh, so that is Jesus' teaching. How about uh, Paul's teaching? Well, chapter 14 of this uh, passage, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Catch that? Nothing is unclean in itself. Uh, I had a friend down in Brazil, Pastor Lindemar. He believed that drums uh, were sinful and the saxophone was sinful, should never be played in the church. Uh, pastor up in Upper State, New York. The guitar should never be played in church. Jeff, is that true? <laughs> uh, obviously not. The, the, the guitar isn't sinful. The drums aren't sinful. Your TV isn't sinful. Your internet isn't sinful. Your use of any one of those things might be. Okay? It's not the item. It's how it's used. Use a guitar to glorify God, hallelujah. Drums, same thing. Um, so that's the idea there. So that's Paul's teaching. Uh, he also says in 1 Timothy uh, 4, 1 to 4, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Think about the push right now to eliminate cows. Okay? Uh, meat in general. You must become a vegan. Kind of like, why? 
God said we could eat these things and they're to be received with thanksgiving. Paul goes on in Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and their conscience are defiled. So, so to be honest with you, if you're a believer and you have no problem eating a cow, cool. If you're an unbeliever and you're a vegan, it doesn't matter what you do, there's nothing you can do that's going to find favor with God. Isn't that interesting? Okay? And then, of course, we have uh, God teaching Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 15 through 16. Uh, it says, And a voice uh, spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call uh, common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Verse 28 of that same chapter. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one uh, of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now in that particular case, uh, some people say that whole dropping of the sheet with the unclean animals, that was only for the purpose of teaching Peter that he could go into a Gentile's house and it was okay. You still can't eat those unclean animals. If all I had was Acts 15, I could agree with them, or Acts 10. But I have Jesus' teaching. I have Paul's teaching. So I have to believe that he was using something that he had already proclaimed through Jesus to help him understand, if I've called it clean, that would be those animals that you couldn't eat before. It's clean. And if I choose to send you to a Gentile's house, he's unclean. No, I've called him clean. He's clean. So, um, like I say, if I only had Acts chapter 10, I can understand someone's opinion about that, but I have these other things. Letter B, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Uh, and he may only eat vegetables for a variety of reasons. Uh, people today that want to be vegan or a vegetarian, uh, they may just feel as though it's healthier. Okay, I have no problem with that. Okay, uh, that's not the issue in that subject. Uh, the, the issue in that subject is if you think cow's flatulence is going to somehow destroy the earth, you don't understand what God said. It, yes, it's all going to burn, but it's not going to be global warming. It's going to be God. <laughs> okay? Uh, so that brings us to number two. Sacrifice, uh, sacrifices to pagan deities included idolatry and immorality involved in uh, their former religion. So they, they may decide they're going to be a, a, a vegetarian or a vegan because they don't want to in any way be associated with what their past life had for them. Cool. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Again, we're going to find out in a moment. Let everyone be convinced in their own mind. Okay, number four, dealing with the differences. Colossians 2.16 says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regard, uh, regarding a, vestal, a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Uh, so that, that's uh, really what needs to be understood here. Is as we're dealing with, other, uh, with people with uh, other opinions, we're not to be judging one another. We're not to be holding one another in contempt, which just means we've judged them. Okay? So letter A, uh, let, him, uh, let not him who eats despise the one who does not eat. I guess I should apply this to myself as I'm driving up here today, and 
I'm in the slow lane because I'm going to turn into our driveway. And the speed limit is 45. That's the minimum you're supposed to go, I'm pretty sure. And the guy was doing 35 in front of me. I shouldn't despise that person. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> it was a Volkswagen. Uh, the word uh, for dis, uh, despise here, or uh, yeah, despise is uh, exutheneo, uh, contemptible, despise, least esteemed, or set at naught. Again, if you're despising someone because they don't feel as though they can do what you are doing, uh, you're judging them. Okay? Uh, letter B, let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. The word here is crino, basically basic meaning of separating and isolating in a legal sense. It uh, finds the accused person guilty. Okay, again, if someone decides they're going to go to the theater and watch a movie, uh, if you're uh, weak in your understanding, you think that that's somehow related to burlesque, you're going to judge that person as sexually immoral and not want to be around them. And that wouldn't be even half of the truth. Now, they may be going to watch a movie that maybe they shouldn't, okay? But just because they're going to a theater doesn't mean that they're involved in uh, burlesque and all that kind of stuff. And then let her see, why should uh, the two parties not judge the other par- person? For God has received him. Again, notice it applies to both groups, the weaker and the stronger. Okay? It is okay to come to different conclusions. Um, We've just gone through the Christmas season, and I know for some, Christmas at December 25th is a problem. Okay. And I know for others, I mean, this is the best day of the year, right? Um, Some uh, look at... Uh, history and say, all this stuff comes from pagan. Can I tell you something? I've seen other videos where not a bit of it comes from pagan. It's uh, a variety of European traditions. Do you know what the truth is? I don't. I also don't care because I'm in the next group. One person considers a day something and another one considers that nothing. (laughs) So I'm in that group. So it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, But those that celebrate Christmas and those that choose not to participate in all of those activities, how are they to deal with one another? Love, no judgment. Hmm. Why? Because God has received them. That's why. Okay, so that brings us to letter B. The Lord sustains them, verse 4. He received them, now he sustains them. Uh, It says here, who are you to judge another's servant? James 4.12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Uh, We need to grasp the fact that when we're judging someone else, we are somehow making ourselves that person's uh, master, and uh, ourselves better than that person. Even if they are involved in sinful activity, what does Galatians 6 say? You who have the Spirit in you, go to such a one with a spirit of humility and restore such a one. Nowhere do you find yourself being better than them because you didn't do that. And it says you need to consider yourself recognizing that could be you. You can fall into the same kind of thing. Oh, no, I would never do that. Don't go there. God will let you know. (laughs) 
Okay? So uh, who are you to judge another ser- uh, servant? What right does either the mature or the immature have to judge another's servant is what he's basically saying here, especially a fellow servant. In other words, we're on the same, uh, we're on the equal plane with one another. One of us is not better than the other. Even if one may be further along in their spiritual growth, they're a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's like uh, uh, husbands and wives. Which one's better? And the wives will all say, the wives are. The husbands will all say, my wife told me to say the wives are. Uh, <laughs> the reality is, is they're a unit. They, they're equal co-heirs of the grace of life, right? Now, God did put one over the other as far as who's going to be responsible for that whole mess, right? And he didn't necessarily put the better one in that position. He put the one that he chose to put there. But they're equal, co-heirs of the grace of life. So that's the idea here, especially a fellow servant. Notice referring to critics in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, Paul says... But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Now, obviously, he's not dealing with sin issues. He's dealing with the all things are lawful issues. I do not even judge myself, yet I am not justified by this. In other words, just because I've come to the opinion that it's okay doesn't make me right. Okay? He goes on to say, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Uh, So referring to the critics at Corinth, he says, I'm not worried about your judgment. I'm not even judging myself. As far as I know, I'm okay. But uh, ultimately, God's going to be the one that uh, deals with all of the issues there. Letter B, to his own master, he stands or falls. Notice, all, weak and strong, will give an account. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, each, uh, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And, and again, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15, uh, Paul talks about uh, as a master builder, he's laid the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ, the gospel. And uh, how you build on it. Well, some people think that's only talking to ministers. And I say, no, we're all ministers. We all serve the Lord. And how you serve the Lord will be determined by the fire. The things that you've done, they'll go through that fire, and they're either wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to that when it goes through fire? Burns up. Gold, silver, precious stone. And like Paul said, I don't even judge myself. He knows that his heart still, even though he's got a new one, he can still be deluded in thinking that I'm doing this for Jesus. And it might be, hey, everybody, look at me. Isn't this good? That kind of thing. So that's going to be the kind of the determining thing. Was it done in the spirit? Was it done in the flesh? Uh, Was it done for God's glory? Was it done for mine? And uh, so what goes through comes out the other side. That's the reward you'll get. And notice, it's everyone. It's not just the strong that have understanding. It's all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. Uh, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? 
uh, think about that. Now, I've always thought of this as this spiritual battle going on where Satan is trying to say, hey, did you see what Al just did back there? And God's saying, uh, Jesus? And Jesus goes, yeah, I paid for that one too. Uh, you know, I've always thought about it in that sense. But uh, think about it in this sense here. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who, who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Now, take the spiritual warfare aspect out of there. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect in an area that God has not said something about? Oh. Well, we have a tendency to think that we can. That's why Paul has to write this chapter. Well, did you hear about what he did? Do we have witnesses? Have you gone and talked to that person? See what I'm saying? Okay. Second reason is to accept uh, all. Uh, second reason to accept all believers. Notice it says, "Indeed, he will be made to stand." Uh, in that Romans 33, 8, 33 and 34 passage, just a little bit further down, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing, that would include all of us, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, don't know that it directly applies to the uh, to the concepts here, but again... God's love doesn't change for us just because, well, I don't think they should be doing that. No, uh, all, uh, indeed, he will make, uh, be made to stand. Why? For God is able to make him stand. Uh, Philippians 1.6, uh, for I am convinced, uh, there, there it is, <laughs> being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 5, uh, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So notice in both cases, it's God that is growing us up. It is God that is working in our lives. Uh, one of the things that uh, kind of made me go, wow, uh, a little while back, I was thinking, you know, if I had put a little bit more energy into this spiritual sanctification process, maybe I'd be further along in my walk. As though God didn't know how hard my head was. And he's sitting there saying, I'd have brought you a lot further if you were willing to go there. Uh, no. God knows everything there is to know about us in our sanctifying process. And so if you've got a hard head, or at times a hard heart, guess what God's doing? He's going to do what's necessary to get you back on that path. And by the way, he knew that about you already. And it's not as though he had to come up with plan B to get you back on the path. Plan A is what you're going through, even when you're hard-headed. So you are spiritually right where you are going to be because you're who you are and God knows that. Now, can you do something to maybe grow faster? Sure. But with your hard head, will you? Question you have to ask. You know, we, we think about, you know, if I was younger, I'd do things different, would you? See what I'm saying? Uh, so you're right where God wants you. Keep on going um, because he's the one that takes care of you. Let her see. The Lord is sovereign over each of them, verses 5 to 9. The third reason to accept all other believers. 
Uh, who is bringing each person to maturity? Yeah, God is. I mean, can you do things to grow up faster? We, we can talk about Scripture memory. We can talk about Bible reading. Uh, we, we can talk about all those things. And you might. But I, I can tell you, being just a couple of years old in the Lord, having gone through two years of Bible college, I probably knew more about the Bible than most believers in church. I wasn't any more mature. I had already memorized tons of Scripture because we had Scripture tests every week on five to seven verses every single week when I was in Bible college. And my Bible college went all year long, not just, you know, August to May or something like that. Um, Tons of Scripture memorized. Two years old in the Lord. Guess how mature I was? About two years old. Okay? So, yes, you can do things to help in that spiritual growth, but again, God's the one that's in charge of your maturity, and you're not going to arrive there a day earlier than uh, what he says. So uh, notice uh, number two, uh, though all are growing into the image of Christ, individual growth allows for different conclusions at different times. Uh, I'm pretty convinced that there's just a lot of things that we're free. And then there are those who, oh no, you shouldn't do that. Oh, no, you shouldn't do that. Oh, no, you shouldn't do that. I understand. I've been there. But I'm not there now. Now, am I somehow better than the other person? No. In fact, if anything, I need to be careful for the other person. Because that's a loving thing to do, which we've already talked about in uh, chapter 13. Uh, Letter A, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. Now, uh, this goes back to um, understanding a little bit about what happened at the moment of salvation. You died. You were buried with Christ. And you were raised again to walk in newness of life. Christ uh, died, was buried, rose again to live unto God. You're in Christ. So what are you supposed to be doing? Living unto God. So if you're home and you're watching a movie that maybe isn't the most edifying, maybe uh, there's some stuff in it that you shouldn't uh, watch, you're building on the foundation of Christ. What's going to happen at that time? Going to go through the fire and it's going to burn up. Because you're not your own anymore. You've been bought with a price, right? So everything you do is now unto God. Now, you need to grab a hold of that one because the reality is, is we do an awful lot of things for us. And God sits there and says, okay, we'll see how that works out for you. <laughs> okay, so uh, whether you eat, I mean, uh, esteem a day or don't esteem a day, it's for the Lord. Uh, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. Uh, Galatians 4, 9, and 10 says, But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. And again, 
uh, we understand with Galatians, we're talking about people that are being led astray. We got to get back under the law after salvation. Uh, The reality is, is look, if you want to celebrate Christmas on December 25th, don't believe that Jesus was born there at that time. There are some who do. Okay, whatever. If you want to do that, hey, have fun. And if you don't, okay. Because both of you are doing it unto the Lord. Whether you even think about it or not, that's the truth of the matter. Now, if you think about it, you might approach Christmas on December 25th a little bit differently than if you didn't. Uh, most most Christians that I know, they might get up and they might read Luke chapter 2. I was very careful not to read the passage on the, the wise men because I, I don't believe they were there for a couple of years, okay? Uh, the kids knew about it, but I read them the sections on uh, nowadays. Um, let me see, we celebrated Christmas on two days before Christmas this year. Kind of like, you can't open presents today. He wasn't born on this day. They go, well, he wasn't born on the 25th either. <laughs> but uh, again, the, the whole thing, you can come to different conclusions, and it's okay. Uh, number two there, he who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks, uh, God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Uh, again, the person that eats meat that's been offered to an idol, uh, or meat in general, and the person that chooses to only eat vegetables. I, I want to be like Daniel. I'm just going to eat vegetables. Okay. Both of you do it. Why? Because I believe I'm serving the Lord in this fashion. And so that's okay. Uh, Notice, uh, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. So then let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or, or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is in Christ. I don't know about you, but at Christmas time, the thing I like about Christmas is God's unspeakable gift. God took on flesh, came into this world. When it happened, well, I know some people think uh, December 25th. Some people think Passover time. Other people think uh, Rosh Hashanah, ahead of the year time, uh, which is September, October. I personally fall into the third category. For me, it doesn't matter when he came. He came that can be celebrated, okay? And if you want to move it and celebrate it back there at the Jewish uh, festival of booths or uh, Feast of Trumpets, I'm cool with that. Uh, In Brazil, they have Children's Day, uh, which is October 12th, and it's like a second Christmas. And it has something to do with Mary's Immaculation, or I I don't know, but uh, (laughs) okay, if you want to do it uh, October 12th, just remember that's my wife's birthday. Get her something too. Uh, so let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Notice, for things not specifically commanded or forbidden in Scripture, the conscience should never be violated because it represents what we really believe. I uh, heard the story of a Mormon couple that had gotten saved. And coming out of the Mormon church, there's no drinking of coffee, soda, dark soda with caffeine in it or anything like that. And this guy was working a construction job. And every day at 10 o'clock, the guys uh, got a cup of coffee, uh, some donuts at the local convenience store gas station. And so one day, and they all had good fellowship. And so one day he decided he was going to get himself a, a big gulp and uh, uh, drink some soda uh, so that he could be a part of that fellowship also. And of course, later he 
was kind of bothered, his conscience bothered him, so he told his wife. And of course, the wife did the, the right thing. She said, that's it, you're going for counseling. Uh, so uh, they went in and talked to the pastor and explained the whole situation. And the first thing the pastor said was, have you confessed your sin to God? And I'm sitting there going, what? Drinking a big gulp of sin? It wasn't the action. It was the hard attitude that I'm willing to violate what I believe is wrong so that I can be around these people. And so he confessed what he did as sin. Now he confessed the problem, not the drinking of the soda. I did it when I thought it was wrong. And then from there, he taught him biblically about his freedom in Christ. And look, I'm not saying you should go out and buy big gulps. I know you can't in New York, uh, but... uh, if you want to drink caffeinated soda or something like that, between you and God, okay? And so he, he basically taught him that. So no violating of the conscience, okay? Why? Because the conscience represents what you really believe. When we talk about believing in Jesus, what do your actions show? Do your actions show that Jesus is the most important thing in your life, or do, do your actions show that money is the most important thing in your life? Or, or something else, you know, that kind of a thing. That, that's the idea there. Uh, number two, it is sinful to cause someone to violate their conscience. This is that uh, weaker brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 through 12. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you uh, who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple... Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So again, this is trying to convince someone that doesn't have the understanding yet that they can do something that they believe is wrong. That would, that would be a wrong thing to do. Uh, because of the conscience. Letter C, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, your body is temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own. Okay, Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this body, I live by faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.10, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And then uh, 1 Peter 4.2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Going back to that concept of all things, you were specifically talking about things that were in the will of God. Well, how are we going to know what those are? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the image of this world. Don't use the world's thinking to determine what you can and cannot do. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Think about that with me for just a moment. Where do we get this idea that kids should not be Uh, should not receive corporal punishment when they are rebellious. Where do we get that idea? It's a worldly idea. And yet, there are all too many in the church that that's their approach. Now, do I agree with them that not every 
offense is a spanking offense. Oh, sure. I wish I had known that when I was younger. Okay? Uh, but uh, the reality is, is those are for intentional rebellious uh, activities. And I don't know about you, but some kids have that intentional rebellious nature in them. Not, not all the kids. Some, some of your grandkids are just really sweet and kind and it's just mine that are intentional and rebellious. <laughs> okay, as long as we're all on the same page there. Uh, notice, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Second Corinthians 5.15. And that he died for all. Now, if you, if you go to a commentary... One guy is going to say, see, this Bible, this believes in uh, free will. And another guy is going to say, see, this verse teaches on election. Stop. He died for all, that they who live, in other words, believers, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. So we've been bought with a price. We should be living for him. That's the basic concept here. Letter D, the Lord alone will judge them, verses 10 through 12. The fourth reason to accept all other believers, and again, we're not dealing with sinful issues. We're talking about God hasn't said one way or the other. Okay, all things are lawful. Is Christ will judge. Letter A, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Again, another way of saying judge. This is referring back to verses 1 to 3. It is each one's job to serve the Lord, not be Lord in someone else's life. Uh, Lynn and I have a lot of discussions. There was a time in my life when I was very truth-oriented. And I looked at grace-oriented people and thought that they were kind of like moderates in the political realm. Uh, Wishy-washy. <laughs> you know, uh, the reality is, is over the years, God has shown so much grace to me, that I couldn't help but come over to God's grace side, okay? Now, does that mean I'm no longer truth-oriented? Oh, no, no, no. It all has to be based on truth. So very truth-oriented and at the same time very grace-oriented, not quick to judge other people. Even if I think they're wrong, it's kind of like, I've got to hear the whole thing here. I don't know what the hard attitude of that person was or, or anything like that. Uh, Lynn, on the other hand, a very rules-oriented person. She grew up that way. And uh, so there are times when it's kind of like, well, then why do we have that rule? Yeah, that's a good question to ask. But there was probably a reason for that rule, <laughs> okay? Uh, then we should enforce it. I'm not saying you're wrong, honey. It's just, you know, bring some grace into that whole thing. And uh, so that that is one of those things that we need to consider. Uh, are you... Judging? Are you holding contempt for someone else? Are you being a Lord in their life, or are you being a fellow servant? Letter B. First, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, a few verses here, Acts seventeen thirty one, because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all. By raising him from the dead. 
1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 5. We've already looked at verses 3 through 5, but uh, just a couple of verses here. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. And I've already read the rest of it, but let me uh, read the last part here. Therefore, judge nothing before its time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. And of course, Second uh, Corinthians 5.10, we're all going to appear before the tribunal or the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things done in the body. Uh, letter C, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Uh, Philippians 2.10, most of us know. Uh, it's actually a um, quote from Isaiah 45.23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of the, uh, my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath or shall confess. Uh, Paul just clarifies it, that every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Uh, again, I, I've told you all that I'm on TikTok I chose the topics that I wanted to receive videos on, and I'm just amazed when it comes to the religious videos how many uh, ideas are out there. On Wednesdays, we're talking about heresies now, and the amount of people that get on TikTok, and they're pretty sure they know what they're talking about, and I'm sitting there going, wow. You have everything from, I'm an atheist, ask me anything. Uh, Okay, that's a simple one. Why would I, you know, uh, but uh, how many times Jesus is not God. He's already come back. Uh, those kinds of things. Kind of like, oh, he came back in 1917, you know, as Michael the Archangel. That's Jehovah's Witness type thing. Whew. There is a lot of heretical thoughts out there uh, in that realm. Uh, but uh, I was going to tell you that story for a reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, every knee shall bow. Uh, and then again, you'll see people that they're, they're praising the Lord. Uh, I've seen people that have new prophecies about Joe Biden. Uh, it's kind of, wow, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking a political guess and saying, yeah, he'll be out of office in so many uh, days or whatever. Uh, but the reality is, is ultimately, all of those heretics, as well as the people that aren't heretics, they're all going to confess, he's Lord. They're going to bow the knee. Now, they may be growling when they do it, but it's going to happen. So then, with that in mind, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. First Peter 4, 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So when we're talking about disputable items, items that God didn't say yay or nay, they fall into the all things are lawful for me. Some of those things may not be very wise. And if you want to come alongside and teach someone and try and help them understand why, maybe that's not a good thing. You would not be wrong in doing it. But to judge them or hold them in contempt because they're doing something that you have a different conclusion on, you would be wrong because you're not Lord. You are their fellow servant. Okay? Again, I hope I've made that clear. There are some things in the Bible. God say, said yay or he said nay. Okay? But there's a lot of things. I mean, 
Where in the Bible do you find whether you should have an iPhone or an Android? It's not there, is it? Um, what about dancing? David danced. So does that mean we should have dancing in the church? Some people think so. Can we let God be their God? And we may disagree with them. It's okay. So don't come in here dancing. <laughs> okay? Uh, but uh, there's a lot of things out there. They're what we would call gray areas. God hasn't said yay or nay. And when you're dealing with someone else, don't be judgmental. Be concerned for the one that might be weaker than you. You don't want to cause them to stumble. But at the same time, understand, uh, freedom is what you've been saved for. Freedom to serve the Lord with whatever it is that you des- uh, decide you're going to be doing to do so. Questions? Thoughts? Excellent. Let's close in prayer. We'll let you go. Father, we thank you for your love and your care for us, for your patience with us. Uh, it, it is so easy for us to get on a high horse. And we recognize that, Lord, and we ask that you would give us grace, that we might demonstrate grace to others that have other opinions. Lord, give us grace to either come to a better understanding yourself or help that other person come to a better understanding so that we might have unity regardless of the conclusions on those subjects, that you would be pleased with your bride. Thank you again for all that you've done for us, for what you're doing in us presently, and we look forward to the day when we're going to see you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, come back uh, Wednesday for uh, Pastor. He'll be, I believe, talking about Gnosticism and from the book of Colossians. Uh, We shall see. Have a good God-honoring week.